I'm Dave Rubin and joining me today is one of the key organizers of the Canadian trucker protests and author of Hold the Line, My Story from the Heart of the Freedom Convoy, Tamara Leach. Welcome to the Rubin Report. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I am glad to have you. You came down to the free state of Florida to do this. We could have done it on Skype. Yes. But you wanted to feel a little freedom. You wanted to breathe that freedom, that beautiful thing that we have here, didn't you? Absolutely. Yeah. That's a little different than what you have going on in it's Canada. It's very different. Very different. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, well, let's just start at the beginning because I suspect that you did not intend maybe five years ago to be a leader of a Canadian trucker convoy. I don't mm -hmm. think you intended to have to write a book about it. I don't think you intended to have to have your lawyer in the studio with us right now <laughs> and a bunch of other stuff. So just tell me a little bit about yourself and then kind of what led you to the to the COVID moment where then you stepped into a whole bunch of other stuff. Mm -hmm. then, then we'll spend most of the interview talking about that. Obviously. Yeah, sounds great. Um, uh, well, I was born and raised on the prairies in Canada, uh, the prairie provinces, and um, predominantly work in oil and gas, so uh, he very heavy in the energy sector there. And it was through that that I started to kind of wake up to what was going on because the Canadian government is really pushing this net zero and they were crushing our economy. And they were putting through legislation that was harming families, people were losing jobs. And so I became, I guess, an activist. We started going to rallies and stuff like that. And of course, I also was following very closely what was happening at a federal level, level with our politicians. And then, of course, COVID hit. Yep. And um, I'm not sure about what it was like down in the States, but in Canada, it was very dark and depressing. Uh, we were segregated. You know, I was told my parents weren't even allowed in my own home or mm. my children, which did not work for me. And people I knew and cared about were getting affected. You know, the suicides in my hometown were so numerous, they stopped reporting on them. So, and, and that's the kind of stories that we heard, you know, going all across Canada. So I wanted to do something and get involved. And, um, I made a phone call to Chris Barber, and now here I am. <laughs> <laughs> so a, a lot has transpired over the last couple of years. And, yes. you know, it was it was interesting for me because you know every day I wake up and there's another story, and especially during COVID, another crazy thing happening. Uh, but I was noticing that more and more people from Canada were tuning into the show when I was just talking about the COVID craziness in the states, and then suddenly this Canadian trucker thing happens, and then it becomes kind of a worldwide phenomenon. So first, can you just talk a little bit more about how draconian all of the lockdowns and everything mm -hmm. were in Canada. And you guys, you don't have a federal system like we do. So it was pretty much countrywide. It was very much countrywide. We were dealing with, um, well, our prime minister made the vaccine, uh, vaccine wedge issue in the last election. Yeah. And so he was like, he came off like a lunatic. You know, he was out there. If you're not vaccinated, you can't get on a train or a plane. Mm -hmm. People were being denied medical care. Uh, in Quebec, the province of Quebec, they were going to initiate a vax tax. You know, they had curfews in Quebec. So um, uh, and that was across the whole country, this stuff was happening. And like I said, you know, something so simple as, you know, not being allowed to have your own family in your own home. Mm -hmm. You know, people lost their jobs, they lost their businesses, uh, loved ones were dying by themselves in long-term care homes. They weren't even allowed to go in to say goodbye to their dying parents. So you know, it was unacceptable unacceptable and something that I never thought I would see happen in Canada. You know, never before in our history have we quarantined the healthy to save the vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So, 
what do you think was the breaking point that got the trucker thing to get going there? Uh, because when people think about Canada, they think about John Candy and they think about comedy and they, you know, like Canada. They think about poutine and Mounties and pleasant <laughs> people that just are, you know, I love going to Canada. Like everyone's very pleasant and nice and all that stuff. Um, you don't think of the Canadians as being the people that are going to push back. Mm -hmm, exactly. And maybe that's what the government was preying on, actually. Yeah, I, d I don't think that they saw that coming at all. So when the government of Canada was going to initiate the trucker mandate, which was going to prevent cross-border travel, but wouldn't prevent it, what it was going to do is, if you did not have a vaccine passport, then you would have to go home and quarantine for 14 days. And so along our border, we have a lot of truckers that are back and forth daily. You know, they can't take that kind of a hit. Mm -hmm. They couldn't afford that kind of a hit. Um, and so they have, they have families to feed. And so that was really the catalyst that started the whole thing. And uh, my good friend Chris Barber did a TikTok video calling for a shutdown on January the 23rd. And a lady trucker named Bridget Belton from Ontario had reached out to him. And then this just this group of small group of people came together and you know, we all had very similar ideas, and, and uh, in 10 days, we organized this entire thing and drove across country. So you drive in cross country, and now the mainstream media is calling you a bunch of racists yes. and bigots, and Justin Trudeau said that you were transphobes. I mean, it was, it was really like... Everything. It, it was everything at once. Mm -hmm. what, what was the hope, like, when you all began the thing? What, was the hope really to break the... Was it to break the government? Was it to break Trudeau? Was it just to turn around on the lockdowns? Like... The only reason we went was to end the mandates. That's it. Um, yeah, there was lots of crazy rumors that we were going to overthrow the government. And I mean, it was it was all you guys just, were picking up trash after yourselves. Like it was so oh, ridiculously peaceful. Yeah. It was amazing. It was one of the most beautiful experiences of my life, a, a beautiful show of humanity. You know, everybody that came to the convoy was basically a volunteer because nobody came there without donating something, bringing something, contributing or pitching in and like you said, shoveling snow or cleaning yeah. up garbage or, you know, it was, everyone was a volunteer, everyone was an organizer. So the thing that I think really put it on the map, first they're calling you racist and bigots and the rest of it, but okay, we've all, we've all been through that. Mm -hmm. uh, but then this, this bank account thing mm -hmm. happens. So talk about that. Did you have any sense that something like this was coming? How did that get laid out? How did it well, affect you? As we were dealing with GoFundMe, uh, that was the initial oh, crowdfunding the platform thing, right. that we used. And we had an accountant come in and he was actually trying to set up a, a bank account for us to prevent that money from going into, because I just set it up to go into my personal, one of my personal bank accounts. And so TD Bank was really dragging their feet, dragging their feet, dragging their feet. So I, I sensed that something was up. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, as soon as GoFundMe released it, they pretty much... Uh, grabbed it right away, seized it immediately. So, so basically, is, GoFundMe was taking the money. You were first so, so putting it to your account, but then you were like, "All right, I want to put this to the actual to a yes, separate account yeah. for the." For, was it a is it a nonprofit or what? What was it? Well, what? we we did send set up a nonprofit yeah. after, but at that time we didn't have a board of directors. We we did that actually in Ottawa on the fly, created right. the board of directors so that we could make sure that it, it was all managed and. Um, and then yeah. TD shut you down before, because GoFundMe shut you down too, right? Yes, they did. We yeah. had a fantastic meeting actually with GoFundMe on a Thursday night. Our lawyers were there, their lawyers were there, all the, and we I, we left that meeting. I left that meeting anyways, feeling very hopeful, like we'd answered all their questions. And the next afternoon, they froze the campaign. 
So, yeah, it was. Um, and then um, credit to the governor of Florida. I hope I get to shake that man's hand one day. <laughs> GoFundMe was going to they, they came out and said, well, if you request a refund, we'll send it back. If not, then we're going to send it to the organization of our choice. People's donations. Yes, yeah. criminal, criminal. And it was DeSantis that stood up and said, mm-mm. You, no, you don't, you know. So, I mean, yeah, a credit to him for doing that. They ended up having to refund it all. Right. So can you just talk about the type of people that were donating and the type of people that were showing up and, and everything mm. else? Just regular, everyday people. You know, we had, um, it, it was really the most beautiful, beautiful experience, like I said. Canadians from all across the country, like the West Coast, the East Coast, the North we had truckers come down from Northwest Territories even. So, it, but it was, you know, the, the, one of the most um, telling things for me was on the ground there, it was a really a jubilant atmosphere. Um, people were hugging and crying and, you know, was talking to total strangers. And it was the immigrant population. So immigrants from Iran, Poland, Romania, all these countries that would come up to me and they would just have this look of desperation in their eyes. Very telling, you know. They were they'd seen this coming. They've lived through it already. Uh, it's, it was kids and senior citizens and just everyday people. You know, federal government employees were there, doctors, nurses, uh, lawyers, um, ex law enforcement, uh, former firefighters. You know, everyone. So they come in, they kick you off GoFundMe, they freeze the bank account, but then they started freezing the bank accounts of the people mm -hmm. that donated. People that, in some cases, donated, what, 15 bucks? Yeah. Like, I think the average donation was 50 bucks. Yeah. And it, then they're freezing the bank accounts of these people who then can't get medicine, can't go about their daily business, literally cannot withdraw money from mm -mm. their ATMs. Mm -hmm. About 280 Canadians had their accounts frozen. And so what that looked like was mo mothers stuck at the grocery store checkout that had to leave their groceries there, uh, which is a mortifying experience in itself. Like you just said, you know, parents that couldn't buy medicine for their children, couldn't pay their mortgage, couldn't pay their child support. I mean, I, got, I was arrested and my husband was in Ottawa. We had a joint account. I mean, we don't anymore, but we had a joint account. So here he is in a strange city, doesn't know anyone, and has no access to funds. So, What, what were you actually arrested for? Uh, I was originally arrested on a charge of counseling to commit mischief. <laughs> and then they had to add mischief because yeah, counseling you, to, uh... you, you can't counsel to commit an offense that never happened. Right, <laughs> so, right, right, right. So they added uh, a mischief charge, uh, intimidation, counseling intimidation, which... As I said, I'm not a very intimidating right. person. Right. Uh, and there's two more. I think one is uh, disobey a p police order uh, and something else. I don't know. Right. And where are you with all of that now? Uh, we have a trial coming up. So Chris and I are co-accused and we have a trial starting in the fall. So I'll be going to Ottawa around the end of August. We got a 16 day trial over the course of six weeks for mischief. Right. And because I mentioned that your lawyer is here and he did say to you beforehand, I'm not here to tell you what to say. You tell your story. Yeah. Um, what, what do you want people to know before, I suppose, you go to trial so that, you know, because a lot of this had to do with public pressure. It seems to me Trudeau only broke because of public pressure because suddenly those videos, millions and millions of people were seeing that you guys were not burning down the cities like we had seen here in mm -hmm. America and you were not bad guys and racists and white supremacists and the rest of it. And they, they sure tried to paint it that way. Yeah.
So in the fall of last year, so anytime the Emergencies Act is invoked in Canada, within 365 days, they have to have an investigation. So last fall, we went to Ottawa again for seven weeks to testify. I testified there. And um, the evidence that came out of there, the superintendent for the Ottawa, or sorry, Ontario Provincial Police um, in the Intelligence Department said the lack of evidence was, or the lack of violence was shocking. Hmm. And he also said that what he was hearing coming from the politicians and the media was not lining up with the intelligence that they were getting. So it was incredible. But our mainstream doesn't cover that stuff. So that's the kind of information that we want to get out is the actual evidence that came out to show that we weren't violent. They um, They were issuing internal memos in the government saying that we were entering federal buildings and mm. causing destruction. Like the the lies, the lies, the bold faced lies was uh, quite shocking. Yeah. Well, can you talk about the media component of this? Because, you know, for as horrible as our mainstream media here, corporate press is in the United States. I mean, you guys have the CBC. It's it's fully state funded. I would argue propaganda. I'm guessing you probably don't disagree with me. But then I was seeing guys on the ground like Ezra Levant over at Rebel News, mm-hmm. who they were deeply embedded with you guys and plenty of other people. They're independent. They're under attack now, too. Mm-hmm. Well, and thank God for our independent journalists and uh, the citizen journalists, too. Like, yeah, Rebel News was there. They were amazing. True North was there. They were amazing. Uh, there were so many of them. And, and I mean, the CBC is literally, I think, two blocks from where the protest was. So, and, and so they could see, right? But they weren't coming down and telling the whole story. Mm-hmm. And uh, for the life of me... Was I, there anyone on CBC or any, any mainstream channel that was giving you a fair shake? No. to go on these shows and, and no. nobody? No, no, um, no, not, none of them. They, they had painted their narrative. That's more evidence that came out. They, they had painted that narrative before I even met Chris Barber, got in Big Red, and we left. So they were colluding. The government was already colluding with our mainstream media. And you're right. The, I mean, the CBC is the one that came out and suggested that we were being influenced by the Russians. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember I looked at Chris Almost Barber, like I was like, I don't even know before. if I know any Russians, you know. Like, <laughs> you probably so, hugged some out yes, on the streets out there. Yes, we sure did. What was it ultimately that, that broke Trudeau on this when he finally turned around one day? Because it really seemed like he wasn't going to stop. And then, and then eventually it did, the pressure got released a little bit. Well, I think what happened, are you ta- referring to when he revoked the act? Yeah, when well, basically at some point there was, I don't know, was that when he revoked the act? Or at some point, basically, the truckers were there, they sort of, it was, you guys were all sort of at an impasse, and didn't he, was that when he revoked the act? Or no, well, what he did instead yeah. was invoked what is akin to martial law in Canada, the right. Emergencies Act. Right, so that was the Emergencies That's Act. That's right. But what, then, what then broke it after that? Well, I think a lot of it had to do with the banks because people were seeing that these bank accounts were getting frozen and they were going and pulling their money out, Mm -hmm. you know, tens of thousands, like millions of dollars. And I think that he got some pressure from the banks to to, uh, revoke this thing. Has there been any reckoning with Trudeau within the party or within Canadian politics altogether? I mean, I know you guys have a sort of somewhat dysfunctional conservative party and, (laughs) you know, things never really seem to materialize on that side, but there's been no reckoning with any of this. Not yet, no, but but I am hopeful that that will come. I mean, I, I know that the uh, inquiry is over, but you know, there's still some legal things happening there. They just did a ju- judicial review 
of the invocation of the Emergencies Act, so we're awaiting that decision now. So I'm really hoping that he can be held accountable for, for his decision to be, have law enforcement beat up our veterans, our veterans, grandmothers, you know, and it was such a peaceful, beautiful protest. And the footage that came out afterwards, I was in jail, obviously, I didn't see it firsthand, but I mean, I got home and I sat on my couch and I, I just cried like a baby watching all that footage. You know, these people getting arrested and, and left in transport vehicles for hours with their hands zip tied behind their back, driven to the outskirts of Ottawa and dropped off in a snowbank. You know, it was, it was heartbreaking. How, how long were you in jail for? Uh, in the winter, I was in jail for 18 days. And then I was rearrested last summer on an alleged breach charge. So I did 30 days in prison uh, last summer, too. What has this taught you about your fellow citizens, kind of good, good and bad, I suppose? Well, I used to sit on the board of directors for a Western Federal Independence Party. We created this, this uh, political party out of nothing, basically. And so for me, the biggest eye-opener was, you know, we've always had kind of an east-west divide in Canada. Right. And, um, you know, we're always told that they, we're just a bunch of hillbillies and they don't want our dirty oil and all that stuff. <laughs> so my biggest eye-opening experience to begin with was I'm sitting at my kitchen table. We'd all been sent home because it was Omicron. Sitting at my kitchen table and I got my two monitors on, on my table. And I've got, we had road captains from every province that would lead like a contingent of trucks in. And uh, so I've got these chats open and I'm talking to the road captain from Quebec. And she has like a thousand trucks ready to go. And these guys are beautiful and supportive. And I thought this has all been a lie. Mm -hmm. Like the, this has all been to divide us. And it was not, so not true. And then after we, shortly after we got there, um, one of the first pictures I saw was a Quebecois holding their flag and an Albertan holding our flag mm -hmm. and them shaking hands. And I mean, that was such an amazing, astonishing thing to see. Yeah. You know? Like the unity that happened. It didn't matter what color your skin was. It didn't matter what God you worshipped. It didn't matter who you loved. It didn't matter what your income bracket was. We were all just Canadians. And for the last eight years, that man has been doing nothing but to try and divide us along all of those lines. Do you think he's, it's hard, you know, he only got, what, 30% of the vote, mm -hmm. something like that? Like 31, do, yeah. Do you think he's actually convincing people that he's right, or is it just that Canadians generally are just nice, so they, they don't step up, that these moments don't happen that often? <laughs> I, I don't know. People ask me, like, why do you keep electing him? And I said, like, are we, though? Like, I don't know if you know what's going on up there right now, but we're in deep in some chi serious Chinese interference allegations. Hmm. They've been interfering in our elections and stuff. So, I mean, is he getting elected? I don't know. I guess uh, they're dragging their feet on that, too, of course. He tried to once again get one of his buddies to investigate himself. And uh, that actually didn't work out too good for him. But now they've broke for the summer. So it's just astonishing. So when they reversed this thing and they reversed the Emergency Powers Act and all that, then the bank accounts were open. And then they, did they start leaving people alone? I mean, did they drop? Obviously, you're going through the case still. Mm -hmm. Did they drop cases against people? or? I don't know if they've dropped any charges against people. Um, maybe one case, but they're, they've, they're pursuing them pretty well, especially in me and Chris's case, very, very taught, like they're hard. They're coming after us hard. Yeah. yeah. What, what I always ask guests that somehow, you know, a certain set of people just kind of step into these things. They don't intend on doing mm -hmm. these. You know, some people set out to do something. Some people kind of step into it. 
you strike me as like the step into it type person. What what do you think is it, it is about you that kind of makes you want want to do this or have to do this or? Well, I I love my country. I mean, I grew up fascinated with Americans and their and their passion for their their flag and their patriotism. You know, for me that was so admirable, and mm. so that was something that I experienced for the first time driving across Canada and meeting all those people, you know? So it's worth saving. You know, we were just talking before we started here about all the people that are leaving Canada, fleeing Canada, which is two words I never thought I'd hear in the same sentence. But if we all leave, then it's worth fighting for. And the people are so good, you know? It It was a very, for me, a very divine and spiritual experience. And the unity that I saw just made me love it even more. Are you seeing a lot of people flee Canada right now? I mentioned to you right before we started. I mean, I'm seeing a ton of Canadians. You know, Canadians are snowbirds down in Florida usually, but I'm meeting more and more people that are like, oh, I'm actually not going back. This is it now. There's a lot of them. A lot of good people too, like our doctors, our nurses, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, police, like our professionals. So it's quite alarming. Did this change any of your politics in terms of capitalism, socialism, you guys have more socialized medicine, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It seemed like some new lines were drawn in regards to those things as well. No, I think, I think I've always been very conservative-minded, mm-hmm. and, and um, I certainly have never voted liberal in 30 years, probably. Um, well, because they had a big scandal in the 2000s. You probably heard about the sponsorship scandal. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. was kind of when I really started paying attention to politics and following it a little bit more closely and I was just disgusted. There's never been any arrests over that. Like billions of Canadians taxpayers dollars, you know, and nothing. So so yeah, no, I think I'll continue to be a conservative minded. The machine has a way of just going on and on. That's why I was asking about, you know, is there any reckoning for Trudeau or anything? Because we have that here in the States. It's like no matter how many times they lied about the mandates, lied about the efficacy of the vax or how unconstitutional lockdowns were or anything else. Mm. Nobody gets fired. No. Nobody gets fired. It's no a, it's a weird realization, you know? It is. It really is. Um, are, are you hopeful that things can turn around in Canada? Or I you, am. Yeah. So where does the hope yeah. come from? Well, again, I mean, my belief in the Canadian people, like they all came together in, in such an amazing way. And, you know, we can make a change. We just proved that, you know. Like I said, this was just such an, an organic movement. It literally started off with a handful of people. And I mean, within 24 hours, we realized, holy cow, you know, when we were talking about setting the target for the GoFundMe, Chris had said, well, I think it was two hundred or $250,000. And I'm like, no way. Yeah. Don't be ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I said, I'll set it for 100000 <laughs> and and I don't even think we'll hit that. Like in the back of my mind, I thought maybe twenty grand. They would drive across Canada, stand there with their sign, get back in their trucks and drive home. And within 24 hours, you know, the, we blew past $100,000. And so, you know, the support, the support was incredible. And like I said, it just, it was so organic and it just came from nothing. And then all of a sudden, boom. And while the politicians will not acknowledge that what the truckers did changed things, you know, before we even left, provinces were talking about lifting their mandates. So, so it was it was working when you get people yes. out there doing the right thing. You know, it's yes. interesting. I was just thinking as you were saying this, we played a video about two weeks ago on my show 
where outside of the prime minister's office, they took down the Canadian flags and they put up the uh, the trans flag or whatever yeah. that is. It's like these things really are connected in a in a very bizarre way. Mm-hmm. Do you do you yeah. see that? Yeah. Oh, I I think it, it's all connected. Everything the the climate emergency or you know that we're supposedly under all of it I, I i think it's all connected yeah how much are you guys so you mentioned a little bit about the the energy makers in the west and the sort of energy takers in the east how much of that affected all of this as well just the way the country split in that sense well i mean a lot of the stuff with the oil and gas industry if i'm understanding your question correctly you know we, they wanted to build a pipeline across canada yeah. and the quebecois said no way you know, and, and so that we could get our product out right. there and keep it in Canada. Yep. You know what I mean? Instead, they import oil from uh, Saudi Arabia and these other countries. You know that some of them have some very horrible human rights abuses. Yeah. You know, and, and that just boggles my mind. You know, I worked in that industry. I know it's not dirty. I mean, Canada has one of the most environmentally friendly and, and efficient energy industries in the world. We should be a beacon of hope for other countries and, and our politicians should be you know, shouting that from the rooftops and advocating for it. And instead, they're just trying to shut us down. You know, and in the province that I live in, it's pr- our resources is oil and gas. Like that's that's our main resource. So that affects a lot of human beings. They're not just numbers. Yeah. These are people that are losing their homes and losing their jobs. And a lot of them without these jobs, it's, you know, some of the, the life out there, uh, it's the tundra, basically. I yeah. mean, it's not, it's not as if there's a million other reasons to be out there. It's yeah. for the energy, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. it's a beautiful province. It's, it's an absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous province. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else should people know about what you guys we're doing and where the fight's going and how they can Well, help? I think the most important thing for me, and one of the reasons why I felt this book was so important was that the freezing of the bank accounts was huge. And, yeah. you know, Canada is the most polite and passive country on the planet, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so, you know, if they can do that in Canada, they can do it anywhere, anywhere at all. There was no parliamentary oversight. Mm-hmm. There was no court order from a judge. It was just boom. And nobody from the banks even resisted. Mm-hmm. Like there's notes in our finance minister, Christian Freeland's dossier that, that came out as evidence saying, label them as terrorists and seize their assets. Like it's mind boggling the lengths that they went to, to try and paint us as, well, January 6th style insurrectionists. Yeah. That's what they wanted, you know? So I think it's, it's an important read. It's an important story. Um, it's a beautiful story of humanity. And I, I'm just so proud of how it all turned out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and you're still in the midst of it. Yes, so I, that's I suppose right. we'll see how it all turns out. Yes, but, that's right. Uh, but I assume you're hopeful that the uh, charges will just be dismissed and that'll be it. And that would be nice. Yeah. But um, they've been very eager. Mm-hmm. And like I said, last summer I was picked up on an alleged breach charge um, and spent 30 days in da- jail after I was denied bail initially then also. So they don't seem to be letting up. And uh, I think they want to make an example of us to tell, it's intimidation, but uh, they picked the wrong grandma, so. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, they weren't until recently, I mean, unvaxxed Canadians couldn't even get out no. of the country. No. Now, I get, they did reverse that, right? They so did, So unvaxxed yep. people can now get out. Yeah. It's one thing to not let people in, but to not let people out. Yes. 
That's, uh, that's that's a gross infringement on your yeah. rights. Yeah. Are you are you raising funds now for any of the legal stuff or anything else? Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm very lucky. Um, the Democracy Fund is funding my criminal case, and we're we're also doing donations because we have a civil suit, a 406 million dollar civil suit against us, also. Jeez. So, um, and the JCCF Who, from who's Canada. Who's the civil suit from? Uh, it's from a lawyer in in Ottawa. Basically, that when we had started off as ten million dollars, so we get to Ottawa at the convoy and we've raised $10 million in donations, which is unheard of. Yeah. And all of a sudden we have a $10 million lawsuit, right? And so what this gentleman did was he started this lawsuit. Yeah, way. I know, yeah. so weird. Yeah. And uh, so then he sent some minions out into the crowd to go find people to put on this lawsuit for him. So that has grown now to $406 million class action suit against me and a number of other organizers. He's also but what are they charging you with? Like nuisance, dis- disturbance of nuisance, yeah. honking horns. Even though, you, right? It was honking horns. Even though, again, you guys were cleaning up and shoveling snow and purchasing yes. things at the stores without burning the stores down. Yes, model so, protesters. Actually. So we're raising funds for that so that we can, you know, do, start doing uh, get a bit more aggressive. Start, yeah. you know, doing some motions and stuff like that. So, so yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> And you're not going to move to Florida. That's my last question. You're going to fight it out. You're going to fight yes, it out. We yeah. were talking right before about how there's a value in fighting and staying and all that. And sometimes there's a value in moving on. But you're you're in the fight and stay mode still. I'm in the thick of it now. I can't yeah. leave now. <laughs> <laughs> Although I yeah. do really like Miami. I will definitely be back here. Yeah. Yeah. What a beautiful city and beautiful people. Well, we will link to uh, the appropriate, uh, Is it what site is it now? It's not GoFundMe, obviously. How are, uh, the how are Democracy you? Fund. The Democracy is Fund, okay, the, so we'll is, link to that. Yeah. We'll link to that. The and book. then theconvoybook.com is where you yep. can find the book, and that's also on Amazon also, yeah. And Canadian truckers rule, according to Elon Musk, yes, right on the he's cover right. over there. <laughs> I mean, that must have been something when you, that when was you crazy. started seeing all of these major people that were supporting you that you know yeah. you had no idea that was even uh, president trump had said something about the truckers yeah i yeah that was pretty surreal yeah very surreal well thanks for coming down to the free state of florida and i wish you a lot of luck on thank this, you on this adventure and if if it all starts up again i will still be talking about it so, you <laughs> thank go. you thanks yeah, for having thanks. me too really yeah. appreciate that yeah Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. If you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubinreport.locals.com.